So, Billy, this week we're watching Up. Oh, the Pixar movie. Ha ha ha, sure. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Let's rock indeed. Welcome to 1,000 Lives of Weird, a podcast that is a celebration of weird movies. I'm Brad Hefner, and with me, as always... Billy Martell. And No Not That One Month marches on mm-hmm. with probably our weirdest entry oh, uh, definitely. for this theme month, and one of our weirdest movies in general we've ever covered. Yeah. I yeah. told you. I told you this year we were going to get fucking weird with it. Yeah, and I was I was beginning to believe that that had been a hollow promise from no. some of the movies we've watched. Well, but we've done we, some wild ones. We, we've done some wild ones. I think Tag is also one of the weirdest Tag movies is pretty we've wild. ever talked about. But, but this is a whole nother thing. This is up! Exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Russ Meyer film. Yes. And this is your second Russ Meyer movie. This is my second ever. Uh, not for the show, but uh, outside of the show... Uh, Brad recently showed me Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, which yes. I, I think is fair to say is his most famous work. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had heard of it, and I didn't even know who Russ Meyer was. Yes. Yeah. Before we get into talking about more about this film, mm-hmm. if you're unfamiliar with Russ Meyer, he was a director, writer, he shot his movies, he edited them, uh, produced them. He's mostly known for his exploitation stuff. Yes. And his love of gigantic tits. Yes. While Russ Meyer is a sleaze hound, mm-hmm. I do want to say this before we really get into stuff. He's a good filmmaker. He is. I, Up is not the best example of his filmmaking. I would say it's a pretty bad example of his filmmaking, personally. But he has talent. He has yes. talent, and he often, while it may be offensive, is satirizing a lot of things. Uh, yep. It's not... It's mostly about the sex. Yes. But it's also... There's a purpose to it. Uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill in in particular is is a sexploitation film. Yeah. But it is wild, widely influential mm-hmm. uh, across a, a variety of filmmakers. John Waters, one of our favorites, mm-hmm. huge fan. That's one of his favorite movies. It makes sense. It's, yeah, you can see a lot of you can see a lot of John Waters in not just Faster Pussycat, but this one. I, a lot of his a lot of his sexploitation stuff. We were going to sit down to watch it, and you said this is going to unlock a lot of John Waters for you. Yeah. And it's not like I didn't get John Waters before, but like you definitely see like the the seeds of where he came from, what, what grew out of that. His other most famous movie is Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. He co-wrote it with Roger Ebert, which is going to become relevant here very shortly again. Yeah. But to briefly, very briefly sum up the wild ride that is up. I cannot wait to hear what the hell you're about to say. <laughs> Adolf Hitler is murdered. <laughs> Sometime in 1970 Southern California. And who done it? Oh. That's the story the movie is pitching us. Uh, yeah. There is much less story in the actual movie, but that is the for lack of anything better the plot of this film. The movie keeps insisting that that is the plot. Yo, dis- it, it, it despite insists the it, fact that no. It insists it quite often S- strongly and aggressively. Aggressively. <sighs> In case I didn't make it clear, this is an X-rated softcore porn- pornography film. Mm-hmm. If you are not sure what the term softcore means, 
Which I was not, and am even less so now having watched this. So, you are never going to see, like, an explicit shot of female genitalia, like, primary sex characteristics. You're, we see Bush in this movie. Yeah. But we don't see a good shot of her Vagina. labia. Uh, okay. Also, we got we pretty close. We, you will never see penetration. Fair. Okay. And from what I recall, every dick in this movie is fake. I think so. Yes. 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 So those are the whole, those are the big things. If this is the case, then this movie comes right up to that line and dances all over it. Well, that's what softcore often does, okay. is they'll have that sort of simulated sex scene. Sure. Where, again, you're not seeing penetration. Mm-hmm. And for all we know, they could be having sex, but we do not see it. Right. No, there were a couple of shots in this where I was like, that's definitely fake. And then there were other shots where I was like, I don't know. But there is a ton of nudity in this, a ton oh, yeah. of sex. Oh, yeah. If that's not your bag, go watch the other up, you <laughs> pussy. When we say there's a ton of sex in this and a ton of nudity, just in case you're someone who comes from more of a me background than a Brad background, take the amount of nudity and sex that you're imagining is in this movie and, like, double that it's 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 more than you think it, again yeah this is pornography this is pornography this it's, is straight up pornography it's there the is craziest fucking porn i've ever seen but this is softcore pornography yeah 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 no the reason why we're watching this again like when i when we started i did say that i didn't want to watch porn in this series the reason why i said that is because porn is considered weird by people who consider anything outside of the basic norm of cinema to be weird. Porn is a genre of movie. There are people who make it. There are a ton of them. Mm. There are literally thousands of porns made every year. That's a conservative estimate. It's not weird to make porn. No. This is not weird because it's porn. It's weird for everything we're about to tell you once we get into the plot summary. God damn it, yes. <laughs> Much like the other up, mm-hmm. the first 15 minutes of this are a shock to the system. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into it, if you want to know whether you should... If you are still unsure about whether or not you want to watch Up, which, by the way, is hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, would you recommend Russ Meyer's Up! Exclamation mark point. This <laughs> this is going to be one of the episodes where we disagree, I think. That's and, fine. Uh, I... I... No. Okay. Uh, I, I recommend... I recommend the last 10 minutes of this movie okay. pretty strongly. There is. <laughs> the front and back of this movie are very strong. Yeah. The the majority of this movie, like, offended me. Okay. Like, I really hated... Oh, I'm so like, sorry. ...the big portion of this movie. And I, I don't want you to feel bad, because, like, that's the... The whole thing about this podcast is an experiment. Mm-hmm. We are, like... It's the hunt, right? Yeah. We're going out, we're, we're finding these weird films, and this movie deserves to be on the show. Absolutely. This movie is fucking bizarre. It's a head trip. It's crazy. This is the kind of movie I both hoped and was afraid that we would watch when we started the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, both at the same time. We watched Faster Pussycat, as I said, mm-hmm. or as we both said, and I enjoyed it, but there was, a, there was this bit at the back of my head that was like, does Russ Meyer enjoy this for the same reason I'm enjoying this? Does he like seeing hot ladies going out and kicking ass? And even though they're like 
horrible people in that yes, movie. Yes, they are. Uh, like they're they're <laughs> spoiler alert. Pretty much everybody in any Russ Meyer movie is pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah. But like, are is he enjoying this because it's like it's it's a weirdly kind of a female empowerment thing. It's these these three women getting to be the Sonny Chiba mm. of of their own like cinematic universe in this movie, or is he is the fact that spoiler alert again for Faster Pussycat. The fact that they all get punished for being horrible, is that him bowing to censors, or is that him being like, yeah, these bitches should have died? I don't think it's the second thing. I... I don't know. I definitely enjoy Faster Pussycat Kill Kill way more having now seen Up. Okay. Uh, in retrospect, which I already enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. But uh, Up feels much less muddy in terms of like what the director feels about these women yeah and to me like the nasty sort of attitude the incredibly toxic uh male gaze that was present through the majority of this movie just made me sad okay like again the opening of this movie was so wild. Yes. Yes, it is. I can't <laughs> wait to get to it. So wild. Like, it. I'm never going to be able to scrub that from my brain. <laughs> uh, the climax of this movie, again, all of those last 10 minutes. I'd give it 20. I'd give it 20. Okay. Strong 20 minutes. All right. I'm, I'm going to say the last 10 uh, for, for me personally. The last 10 minutes, suddenly this movie became what I wanted the whole movie to be. Yes. Uh, which, something, without spoilers, closer to Faster Pussycat. Yeah. But that middle bit, the movie's an hour and 20, uh, so we're talking maybe 10 to 20 minutes at the beginning, 10 minutes at the end, the middle hour. <laughs> sure. I, no, no thank you. Okay. No thank you to all of that. It's hard to recommend pornography to people. <laughs> Fair, fair. But this is crazy. Is. This is absolutely fucking insane. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot of attractive ladies, if that's your bag. They're very attractive ladies. And yeah. if you like busty ladies, mm -hmm. this is your place. Yes. And this movie gets very rapey. Yeah. <laughs> it gets very rapey. Yes, it does. That's the part I don't like. There's also, at one point, while there's a lot of sex, the sex is usually pretty brief. There's long shots of nudity... But the actual coitus is usually like quick montages of people fucking in different places. Those montages felt like they went on for a while. The only... I'll point out the one that really got me bored. Sure. But for the most part, 80 minutes, this movie doesn't bore me too much. Mm -hmm. And the crazy shit is enough to make up for it. There is if some... it's If you want to see one of the wildest things ever put on film, seek out up. And if Fair you're enough. fine with all the nudity and the sex... And you can stomach the rapey aspects. Like I said, Russ Meyer is a filmmaker. You could watch worse pornography. Oh, yeah. No, like, I mean, <laughs> pornography is not a genre that's famous for people, A, giving a shit about what well, they're making, and B, uh, like, having any kind of, like, uh, artistry to the filmmaking itself. And Russ Meyer is the rare one where, like, no matter what kind of a person he was in real life, which I have, I didn't do a lot of research on the background of this movie, so I don't know, but uh, he was legitimately talented and or skilled at what he did. And uh, I still say that 
Faster Pussycat is a better example of oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Than this. Absolutely. It does seem like this movie was made rather quickly. He's still Russ Meyer. He's still good at what he does. Well, another thing you have to remember, pornography, especially at this time, used to be very different. Yes. They would make actual movies with story and so there was more artistry, there was more effort and ambition put into it. Not always. Not always. But they were crafting films, not just like Oh, you're going to come into the room and there's going to be some pretense for three minutes and then we're going to fuck for 25. Right. Which is modern internet pornography. Exactly. Now, yeah, for those who only are aware of modern day pornography or pornography you might find in a video store or something like that. Yeah, in the 70s, it it was this crazy time when pornography could be a major cinema release. Yes. Famously, the movie Deep Throat was incredibly popular and successful at the actual box office. We're not even talking about a weird porn theater where Fred Willard is being arrested. We're talking oh, about rest like in power Fred Willard. Rest in power Fred Willard. No, these were like real major releases. Debbie Does Dallas, another one that mm-hmm. famously was a huge hit at the box office. Deep Throat is the one I single out because that changed American politics. They ended up naming their... Well, the, the Watergate informant the Watergate chose the name Deep Throat, I think. It was, he didn't choose it. The newspaper... Oh, uh, Woodward and the, Bernstein? Woodward and Bernstein were in their office being like, what do we call our informant? And some asshole in the back who had just come back from the movie was like, call him Deep Throat. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. And that's what they called him. Gotcha. Yeah. So, thank you, pornography expert Billy, for <laughs> giving us that history lesson. <laughs> I find the 70s cinema scene extremely fascinating. It's, it is. Which is the cinephile's uh, version of I read Playboy for the articles. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the plot. Let's get into what happens in Up. Spoilers ahead. Too strong a word. Yeah. We are. Now, a lot of Russ Meyer movies begin with uh, a monologue, like a voiceover, some a text crawl. Yes. Here we just get the text. No fairy tale this. Which I thought was hilarious because it almost exactly tells you this is not a Disney movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You could literally just replace it with this ain't no Disney picture and like (laughs) that would be the exact same vibe. Uh, I have no clue why this bit is here. I I don't know what what he was going for. I still love it. After this bit of text, we Mm -hmm. are immediately shown a woman fully nude except for knee-high boots. Mm -hmm. She's up in a tree. This is Kitten Navidad. Yes. Uh, and she had a long relationship with Russ Meyer. Yes, she did. And Starting shortly before this movie, I think. I believe so. Yeah. In the John Waters book, Shock Value, he mm-hmm. actually interviews Russ Meyer, and Kitten oh. Navidad is there. And Russ says that while he was always making sex pictures, not always, but most they of had the time, an emphasis on sex, yeah. or at least bosomy ladies. Yes. Kitten Navidad sort of woke up the sexual being in him in real life. Like, he would just write this stuff before, and she was like, mm. hey, you know you can actually do this stuff, too. <laughs> uh, so he he credits her with that. Oh, awesome. She introduces herself as the Greek chorus of the film. Yes. Which she is. She is our cacophony of carnality, mm-hmm. our Sherpa of suspense. And as she says that line, we get a, a close-up of her pubic hair. Yes. And also we get close-ups of each nipple. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One and one at a time. One at a time. And mm-hmm. she invites us to sheathe our sword to its hilt. Yeah. I wonder what that meant. <laughs> so this movie, as we mentioned, is written and directed by Russ Meyer, although he uses the pseudonym B. Callum for the screenplay credit. It's based on a story by Meyer, another man, and Reinhold Tim, 
which is a pseudonym for Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert wrote this one too? Well, he came up with the story along with those two other guys, uh, Russ Meyer and the other guy. But uh, yeah, no, he had a hand in this. And I've noticed, because I think he's done three with Russ. Yeah. Those three seem to be the incesty ones of his oeuvre. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good. I, I... I do find it funny. I've grown to dis to to dislike Roger Ebert so much more over the years. Yeah, uh, and a lot of it has to do with what a fucking egoist he was, but also like how that Blue Velvet review. Do you just constantly grind that axe? That Blue Velvet review pisses me off so much, <laughs> so much. Is, is that Blue Velvet review? His review of of the 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 fact that he and Siskel decided to dox the creators of the the first Friday the Thirteenth movie, and then he goes turns around and writes shit like this. Well, this was back in the seventies, Billy. This was a, I this know, was before all that. But he had like this stuff in his background, and then he gets he has the nerve to pick on Isabella Rossellini. Like what the fuck? I'm not going to defend the man. He's very important to me as oh, to a lot of my, people in my film. Yeah. Sort of fostering my love of film. Yeah. But, uh, no, you're you're allowed that opinion. Yeah. Do you want to call up his widow, say that to her face? <laughs> Actually, I think she's dead as well. <laughs> Chaz Ebert, are you dead? <laughs> no, she's still alive. He's... She's 69 years old. Ooh, nice. Russ Meyer would be pleased. Uh, this was released in 1976. Mm-hmm. Over the opening credits, we see a couple having vigorous sex in various outdoor locations. A lot of outdoor sex in this movie. A lot of outdoor Almost sex. solely outdoor sex. Yeah. Aside from a couple times. A couple of times. I will say, like, one of the things that, like, just blasted me in the brain right off the bat is the juxtaposition between what the chorus... I guess we can call her a chorus girl. Yeah. Uh, the chorus girl. You were and her, so pleased with that. That just suddenly that came, to my, phrase, that came to my head. Your face that was, just lit up. I was so happy. It just suddenly came to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, the chorus, the, the chorus girl and uh, her dialogue and what the camera's doing are so at odds with each other. Like, all of her dialogue is like... It gets increasingly insane and feverish. Yeah. as It's all very Shakespearean, like pseudo-Shakespearean. There are quotes from Shakespeare. There's a lot of, like, sort of, like, misquotes where they, yeah. they'll take a Shakespeare quote and turn it into a sex pun of some kind. There's also apparently... I didn't pick this up, but I found this in, during doing research. Frequent quotes from the poetry of bisexual artist and friend of Sigmund Freud, Hilda Doolittle. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. But like, it's but there's all of that. And meanwhile, close-up of nipple, close-up of nipple, close-up of bush. This is the insanity of Russ Meyer is... Yeah. You can't be stupid and write this film. No. Granted, it's a very stupid movie. It is. But the way it's stupid is done in a way that you have to be smart to be stupid in that way. Also, not so much in this scene, but over the course of the film, the pace of her monologuing increases to Micro Machine Man levels. It becomes, it, like, it's a fever dream. It, every time it cuts back to the Greek chorus, and it will often. Often. Brad told me before I watched the movie, hey, make sure you write down some quotes, because I didn't get to write down, I was busy with the plot, I didn't get to write down as many lines in this movie. There are some great ones. Some of these lines happen so quickly, yeah. I failed at that. That's okay. like, it was so fast. That's okay. I, As I said, I've been incredibly busy. The day I finally watched this movie, I was sort of... I'd come home from work, and I was like, I need... I had rehearsal mm-hmm. for a show that I'm the lead in. 
Yeah. And I was like, I need a nap before this. How this? It's only 80 minutes. I can nap. I can get this done. Yeah. So I kept putting it off and putting it off to the point where I had to text my stage manager and be like, hey, I'm going to be a little bit late. <laughs> About 10 or 15 minutes. I didn't tell her I was watching softcore pornography. Right, like, hey, gotta be late. Gotta watch my porn. (laughs) But I was just like, what a weird moment in my life. (laughs) I'm the lead of a show and I need to be late so I can watch this titty movie. Perfect, perfect. But, I, and I, I wrote down this quote when this opening sequence is going by, just showing all this all this nudity and sex happening. I wrote down, this is a level of shameless I was not ready for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I imagine this was a splash of water for you. It was a bit of a splash of cold water, Well, sure. welcome to the moving goalposts. Now, hey. <laughs> now, you, now you can freely watch any pornography. <laughs> Thank God. All right. Uh, then, as actors and characters are introduced, we see bits of nudity and sex from them. Yes. The the names for each of the characters that are introduced, again, go by very quickly, and they are all so absurd, I was convinced the credits were fucking with me, and that none of these characters or actors were in the movie. That they been, all are. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Next, we are shown the home of Adolf Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Clever parody of Adolf Hitler. <laughs> And he happens to live in a gigantic Bavarian castle. Yes. Which, as I've already said, is hilarious because this movie takes place in Southern California. Yes. And you, and if you are me, you think you you think that the movie is cutting between two very different parts of the world. Absolutely not. Nope. This is in the southern part of California, just a little down the road from the rest of the events of the movie. Yeah. So now, uh, if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this around anybody, one. Probably too late for what I'm about to tell you, but don't do that. Yeah, this is a very not safe for work episode. (laughs) What I'm about to describe, I want you to strap yourself in for. I want you you to sit back, relax, close your eyes, and and picture this. Make a painting in your mind. Make a painting in your mind. We are taken to Adolf Schwartz's sex dungeon, where a lot is going on. Adolf is being whipped by a man in a pilgrim costume. As Adolf plunges his head into the gigantic breasts of a woman in, in a gimp mask. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, a black woman watches and stirs a cauldron. The gimp, a.k.a. the head person, takes Adolf to a leather couch where he is whipped by the pilgrim again, this time with a cat of nine tails. Mm-hmm. The black woman, a.k.a. the Ethiopian chef, pummels <sighs> Adolf Schwartz's ball sack with her fists once the pilgrim is done whipping him when she said when we say pummeling we are talking speed bag yes yes <laughs> yeah no she she's part of ali's gang her her teeth are perfect and she's just shoe shining them. she's just shoe shining them <laughs> this is ali's gang oh my god okay Enter a very stereotypical-looking Asian woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying Asian because I don't think Russ Meyer or Roger Ebert know what country this woman is actually supposed to be from. No, I don't She's sort so. of done up in a geisha bit, but it's not... A little bit of a geisha bit, but it's like one of those... Like one of those geishas that existed after uh, America was done fucking Japan in World War II, where they were not geishas, they were just prostitutes, and they were trying to make money off of American soldiers. Like, that kind of geisha. This character is Limehouse... That's her Why name. Why is she called Limehouse? I don't know. I uh, wish I did. I I think it's some kind of reference to the the uh, the Asian population in London in the Victorian era that I believe mostly lived in Lime in the Limehouse area. But Maybe I am not sure. 
I that's just me going off of stuff I have garnered from old Doctor Who episodes and issues of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, so that could be completely off. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes as much sense as everything. Yes. <laughs> Everyone is nude except for the Pilgrim, who we'll find out is named Paul. Yes. Like every ingenue protagonist in a Hammer movie, his name is Paul. And Adolf, who seems to be wearing goat hide chaps. That's right. Yes, he is. And all the breasts are very big. I won't keep repeating that. Mm-hmm. Everyone except sweet little Alice has very large breasts. Yeah. Limehouse sits on Adolf's face and binds his legs. Mm-hmm. The pilgrim whips Adolf more until he and Limehouse both seemingly orgasm. That is Adolf, not Paul. Right. The pilgrim and Limehouse go to leave. And here we learn that the gigantic castle is located in California. Mm-hmm. Adolf is not happy with Paul leaving. The Pilgrim takes a knife and cuts Adolf's binds, and Adolf offers Paul a bonus if he comes over to the couch and sodomizes him. Mm-hmm. So to recap, we are eight minutes in, mm-hmm. and Hitler is about to be butt-fucked by a Pilgrim. And then he is. Now, here is my question to you. To Again, to, to recap, headbutting a gimp-masked woman in the boobs... While being beaten around the ass or back, I forget this part. I think that was the back. The back. Member of Ollie's uh, gang in the background stirring cauldron. Yeah. Then we go to a couch where we are whipped on the ass while member of Ollie's gang speed bags your balls. Mm-hmm. Then we move to having Limehouse sit on your face with uh, the geisha hairstyle while Pilgrim is there. And then we get sodomized by Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. What would you call this fetish? Because this is very complicated and specific. All of this is literally just like, what's the most fucked up thing we could do to Hitler? That's. I don't think it's. <laughs> it, I, I don't think it's targeting a specific fetish. It's just making. Like, oh, Hitler's into all this weird shit, and like, oh, oh yeah, no, and I, it's also like, let's just do fucked up things to Hitler. I understand the uh, Russ Myers logic. I'm saying in what, universe, in, okay. Hitler has this fetish. It would be what uh, is Hitler's fetish that this is happening? It would be masochism, just in general. Just general masochism. Yeah, but like, there's a sort of like what it's a small world after all ride sort of like tour of the world kind of aspect to it as well. Uh, that would also be racial humiliation, I guess, because ah. uh, so-called inferior races to Hitler's mind right. are dominating him Fascinating. and punishing him. Fascinating. Well, you can read all about this in the treatise I'm going to write about this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Not the rest of the movie, just this scene coming very soon to our blog or whatever. Yes. Whatever we have. By the way, the sodomy... Hitler loves it. Oh, Hitler he loves, loves it. sodomy. I would love also this entire scene, especially the bit where he's headbutting that lady in the boobs. Uh, he's just babbling in German. Yes. I would love to know if there is any kind of translation for what he's saying or if he's just like whose lines anyway style making up German sounding words. Well, you know what you should do? What? Find a German person and show him this movie. <laughs> show him the entire movie. Like even after. Even after Adolf leaves the movie, right? Yeah, uh, make sure. No, no, you got to keep watching. No, you got to keep, keep yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I made you sit through this much. We got to keep yeah. watching. <laughs> we got to yeah. watch the other seventy minutes. The other seventy minutes that I will not be here with you for because, as we've established, I don't like it. But yeah, we get brief shots of two women having an erotic counter out of doors. Again, very a lot of outdoor sex. 
Then back to Peter, who has just gotten done being blown by Adolf. Right. No, he 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 gets done sodomizing him, walks away, and Hitler's like, "Oh no!" So Hitler Hitler wants this. This is how he wants yeah. to finish his day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh man, they should there should be a spa treatment that offers all this. <laughs> Do you now? Do you, do you have to write down if you want a happy ending or if you want a or if you uh, want a, a sadomasochistic tour of the world? I would call it Plymouth Cock. <laughs> then back to the women. This is Gwendolyn and Sweet Little Alice. Mm-hmm. Gwen- By the way, the movie is very careful to let us know that this all takes place at eleven o three a.m. This movie has a lot of timestamps. <laughs> Uh, it has a lot of timestamps, a lot of dates. I didn't keep track of any of it because it doesn't fucking matter. I just wrote down 11.03 because I was like, oh, thank God I know what time it is when Hitler's <laughs> getting butt-fucked. Well, yeah, so you can celebrate every day. Right. Every day at 11.03, we raise our glasses to Hitler butt-fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. Gwendolyn is black and has harnessed herself to a gigantic, like, over-the-shoulder harnessed herself. Like, yes. To a... Snow white strap on that is insanely large. Insanely large, like baseball bat size. Gwendolyn starts to go to town, even though she does not have enthusiastic scent from Alice, who is afraid of this gigantic strap on for some reason. And I will, I will say there, <laughs> the uh, the soundtrack transitions into a jaunty. With Nazi a jaunty tune uh, as as she's like waving this big dildo around, and then the Nazi anthem starts as and they start as, fucking. As Alice starts to get into it, her yes. her feet sort of go up and down, and we hear Zig Heil, Zig Heil, which will make sense later. It does actually make sense later, which is yeah. so weird. Because <laughs> I, I again watching this movie blind, I'm like, what the. F- fuck are you doing <laughs> but then you get to the end and weirdly it, it all comes sense. together yeah. and by this time you've forgotten about this one second throwaway little bit of thing oh by the end yeah you've completely forgotten about it uh gwendolyn is a trucker and carries a strap on in a violin case mm-hmm. much like an old-timey gangster how they carry their strap-ons <laughs> i was thinking about the 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 brothers in the of to El Mariachi in Desperado, oh, yeah. who come into town with their guitar cases full of weapons. Except in this movie's full of dildos. Yep. Adolf is having a bath when someone throws a piranha, who is credited as the Nimrod in the credits. Mm. Uh, and of course, if you're not familiar, Nimrod is a biblical hunter of great skill. Well, there you go. And the piranha is tossed into the tub, and it devours Adolf Hitler in seconds. <laughs> And it just, you know... This movie is a fucking cartoon. We've said that a lot about a lot of movies. It's it's more true for this, uh, at least for this opening bit, than than most. It is definitely a Adult Swim cartoon that gets played on in the dead of night. But uh, it yeah. is it is still it is definitely a cartoon. And oh. also, throwing a piranha into the water, one of the most hilarious murder methods I've ever oh, seen. Oh, absolutely. Especially a single piranha. A single piranha. Completely devouring a whole man. Yeah, and they, they, they also like demonstrate that it's a piranha oh. by, ha- by feeding it a goldfish. And you see a piranha eat a little pet goldfish on camera. Like, it's a real thing that and they meanwhile, did on going, set. Nine, nine! That's a piranha. That's a piranha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's 
So I have a special guest. Oh, I have Jesus. a special guest here. Okay. I got Nimrod. The actual the the actual the, fish the actual fish is here. Oh my god! Uh, I'm gonna bring him in. All right. Blub 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 blub. I I I never know what to say when me I meet. Oh sorry, I was in the water. Oh um, hi. Yeah. Uh. So I ate Hitler. Oh wow. Do you have any questions? I never know what to say when I meet uh, my heroes. Uh. So so uh. Like, were you? Are you Nimrod the actor in this movie, or are you Nimrod the fish that this movie was based on in real life? Both. Ever since... I got to play myself. It was like the that Clint Eastwood movie, the <laughs> 1517 to Paris, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, right. Or <laughs> whatever the fuck. Right, right. Oh, wow. So, so uh, what was your... I guess my first question is, what was your working relationship with Russ Meyer like? Uh, contentious. Contentious. Um, I didn't have the bosoms to really be in his movie, and he was like... We need a fish with bigger tits. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, sir, I don't know what to tell you. Right, right. And I talked to some surgeons because I wanted to be a movie star. Of course. And they're like, we can't do this to a fish. Right. Because like, well, you're not a mammal. I, exactly. I don't even have breasts. Right. What young am I nursing? <laughs> the billions of children that I shit out of my fish asshole or whatever I do. <laughs> They all gonna have a turn at my one billion titties? No, sir. That is not nature. Right. That is not God's plan. Right. That's what I'm here to talk to you about today. <laughs> the plan God has for all of us. Great. I'm so glad that the pornography episode's going here. Yes. <laughs> Did you know? Yes. That the end times are coming. <laughs> and that I've heard something about that. Piranhas are going to eat everybody. Oh, I didn't know that the the end times would be so piranha centric. It is. Okay. It is. Uh, I've received this message from God myself. Okay. That's why I got out of acting. Right. And into ministry. Into ministry. Because I... Now, granted, it happened after I hit my head. But God told me that piranhas were going to eat everybody during the rapture. After the rapture, anyone who doesn't get raptured, eaten by piranhas. How did you hit your head? Uh, bowling. Bowling. Okay, okay. I... I didn't let go of the ball. Right. And it... Went up and conked me on the noggin. I imagine bowling with flippers is very difficult. It's... I prefer bowling with bumpers. Ha ha ha. That's a bowling joke. Yeah, it is. But um, <laughs> it is difficult. It I is Thank difficult. you for recognizing that. Yeah, not yeah, enough yeah. people... Not enough people understand that. Sure, sure, sure. And that's the comfort I find in God. Right. Because God does understand. God understands. He, God he has accepts flippers. everyone exactly where they are, even if... Uh, did you just say God has flippers? Yes. Okay. God has flippers. God was a thalidomide baby. Uh, okay. Okay. What Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> so I believe, if I'm remembering correctly... Uh, Brad, what are you Googling over there while I'm talking to this fish? Please I, know what thalidomide baby, I know what thalidomide babies are, but... Alright, I thought it was an anti-nauseal, but it is a... So thalidomide was used to... Uh, treat and prevent leprosy but okay. it also caused horrible birth defects ah uh, uh one of which was uh, sort of flipper like arms oh so god is not a fish god is a like a thalidomide baby a thalidomide baby and he never grew up he's still a baby he's still a baby jesus grew up jesus so grew it's up. a real fucked up relationship where yeah. it's like narcissistic parents it's like you're raising them right 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 of course of course 
So, yeah, do you want to join my ministry? Do you want to join my church? Well, I, I think... We I, require a super tithe of 30%. A super, a super tithe of 30% of what? My my income? Yes. Okay, well, we'll see how well the podcast Also, all up. the food you buy. Uh, all all the food You have to dump it into my tank. <laughs> into your tank, specifically. Okay. Because that gives me the energy to bring the word of God to others. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me think about it while we continue talking about this movie, and we'll we'll get back to you in a bit. In a bit, All right. okay, okay, all right. Wow, you seem to really like that. You, you and that fish seem to really be vibing. I don't know. I think there's there's just this, like an earnestness to him. You know, he reminds me a bit of a little Gary Busey sort of. Oh, I thought you were going to say he reminds you a bit of you when you were younger. Uh no. Although <laughs> technically the fish is older than you because this yes. was in the seventies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, he reminds me of, of he's, he's very sort of a fatherly figure to me, I think, yeah. at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're getting very close. We cut back to the Greek chorus, speaking mm-hmm. very poetically as we get flashbacks to the persona, persona dramatis that we've already been introduced to. Yes. Uh, and we, we're... This movie is only a murder mystery when the Greek chorus is on screen. Yes. And she's going like, who did it? Was it Limehouse or the Ethiopian chef or the head person? And like, she, yeah. Literally about yeah. every 15 minutes, at least. It, it becomes increasingly <laughs> frequent as the movie goes on. It's so insane. And she's just, yeah, she just comes on screen and literally just just uh, announces to you, hey, the movie is now a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out, and I don't even think she even says Hitler. I think she just... I think They say Adolf Schwartz they, throughout they, the entire movie. They call him Adolf Schwartz throughout the entire movie. We're not spoiling that he's Hitler, no, By the way, Hitler. he's clearly Hitler. Like, there's no way that his he's not. His fucking name is Adolf. His name is Adolf, and also, like, he's got the mustache and everything. They gave him the comb over. Mm. Like, he's, he's fucking Hitler. But, like, the movie does seem to think that this is going to be a big surprise in the ending when they finally reveal it. I don't think so. I think... They knew everyone got it. I think maybe there are other there are other secrets. Revealed there are other end. secrets revealed, but like yeah, the the. the yeah, and she just mentions all of the characters and starts giving them, like, character and motivation that we yeah. have not seen on screen yet. Some of these characters... We, we will get, never see again. We will never see again, but uh, just listen to the chorus. The chorus is going to tell you there's a whole thing. They're there's all a, suspects. I wish I wish Ro- Roger Ebert and Russ Meyer could have gotten together and written the full, like novelization of this because i have a feeling there's like a whole you know how quentin tarantino is always like oh yeah in all of my movies there's like with, six uh... more there's six more hours that i could have made and he made the book of once upon a time in hollywood recently i want that but for this i would love that that'd be great they're both dead <laughs> so it, i wonder if there's like a so, ouija board you could set up to like a, a like a typewriter that will automatically just like because that'd be so long to do with a Ouija board. Right, right. So what you're saying is I need to get in on uh, Nimrod's ministry so I can make sure I go to heaven and be able to read this book that they definitely wrote. Absolutely. Heaven. Got it. Okay. Yes. All right. I just want to butt in. Sure. Uh, and mention that heaven is only for piranhas. Oh, oh. oh. You can go to like... Uh, it's not purgatory and it's not hell, but it's like a motel heaven. It's like a motel heaven. Yeah, like heaven is a hotel. Right, okay. But you're going to go to motel heaven. Motel heaven. I gotta say, I'm a, I'm, I'm, my enthusiasm is diminished just, that a, just, is just so a hair. That is bigoted. Just a hair. You don't want to see the piranhas on top. <laughs> 
we've been slandered for so long. Mm-hmm. We've been put down and used sure. as enemies in video games. In, in video games, yes, yes, I'm familiar. We deserve the better heaven. Okay, okay. Um, we are the superior race. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I. Hmm. I mean, you did eat Hitler, so like, I still like you a little bit, but like, God, that. Okay, we're gonna keep talking about the movie, okay. but I, I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Nimrod. I don't know about you. A dark-haired woman, Margot Winchester, is just jogging, seemingly from some unknown location. What we're gonna find out about Margot later, I won't spoil it yet. Sure. Makes no sense that she's just jogging here. Unless it's just, like, part of her workout regimen. She does say that she's, like, trying to stay fit. Given how things go for her in the movie, it seems like she doesn't live anywhere. No. No. She doesn't live anywhere, like, at all. And so, like, I don't, like, I can't say that this is near where she lives because she doesn't live anywhere. No. So who, who knows what the fuck she's doing. Apparently, before, right prior to this movie, she was living in a cave, like, just near where the castle was, is the, my only explanation, my only idea. But she's hit on by a creepy cop named Homer Johnson. Yes. Johnson. Like penises. Yes. Yes, the movie's clever. Next, she's creeped on by a super 70s man who drives into her path multiple times Mm -hmm. until she gets into his super 70s truck. Yes. This man, unsurprisingly, tries to rape her. Yes. She flees. They fight. It quickly becomes upsetting. Well, before it becomes upsetting, it becomes... No, it does become upsetting first. And then quickly after that, it becomes almost upsetting to a point of actual comedy. Yes. Because he is, like, chasing and attacking her and beating her uh, to into submission in order to rape her, which is awful and Not terrible. Not chill. Not chill. But... Suboptimal. At a certain point, he ha- they, they're in a river, and he has her under the water. He's, like, doing oh, gigantic, yeah. like... Wallops. Like, giant... Yeah, big big old wallops on on uh, on the water, assuming that that's where her head is. I'm sure that the actress just, like, left, and he started just punching the water at a certain point. And then he does, like, a WWE move where he climbs up on a log and then just, like, does a pile driver elbow into the water as well and then just keeps going at it. It is almost funny, but then uh, the movie keeps going and then actual rape occurs, complete with cartoon sound effects and jaunty comedy music. Yeah. And uh, the camera is mostly on Margot's naked form. So the this is where I started to turn on the movie. Understandable. Uh, Understandable. And it's because uh, the combination of the music and where the camera is, it feels like this is supposed to be either attractive, enticing, or yeah. sexy, or funny. funny. And it is none of those things. It's no. horrible. I don't know Margot as a character. She has had barely any lines. She you just, don't know she, if she deserves this, is what you're saying. No, no, no I, I don't think that you're nodding your head this. yes to me. <laughs> no, what the fuck, Billy? <laughs> no, but I'm I'm just I'm I'm just saying that like this is this is this is horrible. And, it and, is horrible, and it's and, it's, and it the, is horrible. I don't like this shit uh, in this movie. And but this but, appears to be like I don't know. But you also have to understand, and this is not a defense or an excuse. Yeah, this was 1976, mm-hmm. a sex comedy written by men. Yeah, at the time, like 
That doesn't as make it better. Fuck, no, it, I didn't. And I said it doesn't make it better. Yeah. As fucked up as it is, I don't think most men at the time understood, and most men today still don't truly understand how traumatic sexual assault is. So it was, I think in their minds it was like, yeah, we'll make this super goofy and over the top, and he's going to have a gigantic fake penis. And yeah, I can I can see that being how they thought of it. It doesn't make me feel any better. No, and I yeah. again, I'm not trying to defend it, or it's I don't like it either. You're it's, just trying to sort of contextualize yeah. the thought process behind it. I've seen more exploitation than you have, so yes. I, I'm I have a more advanced brain. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I can look at this and go, like, I don't like it, mm-hmm. but I understand it. Sure. Okay. Okay. She wakes up and counterattacks. Yes. This is pretty cool. This is pretty good. Uh, she fucking full-on judo flips the man over her shoulder. Which is great. Killing him. Yeah, that was the bit that was surprising. Because, like, it's literally, like, a very simple judo throw. Yeah. It's not something you're expecting a naked woman to do to a man. So it's it that makes it very funny. But, like, she she does this judo throw, and he lands pretty softly with a splash in the river, and is just dead. I assume he broke his neck. Like, I assume... He broke his back. They, oh, okay. They say that later, yeah. He, he, he fully broke his back, and she's just got this sort of, like, fighting stance, fully yeah. nude in the river, uh, this fighting stance, and it's, it's, uh, this it's is, amazing. This is the weird feminism of Russ Meyer, where mm-hmm. the women are ultimately stronger, they're ultimately the people in control, they're ultimately, for the most part, aside from, I think if you were to ask Russ Meyer and Roger Ebert, they would say rape is bad. Probably. So, the men who rape, mm-hmm. and I'll spoil something, they all get killed. Yes. They get their comeuppance. They are not rewarded. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the sex is all consensual. It's all usually female-driven. Mm, yeah. And Margot takes a ton of punishment and is knocked out briefly mm-hmm. and then gets right the fuck up and murders a man. Yes. Here is my problem. We spent so much time with her getting punished. Yes. And two seconds of her getting revenge. Okay. I yeah. understand that. That's 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 my where where again, faster pussycat, the women are in control. The women yeah. are like and the only and the biggest bad guy is the bad guy who explicitly says, I want to take control away from these women. Mm. In this movie, the women seem to be set dressing in a way that they weren't in that other movie. Okay. Just based on like how many just and just for clarification how many lines they get in comparison to the amount of lines the male characters get through most of the movie is minuscule. Okay, but I think between the Greek chorus and the last 10 minutes where a certain character just has a running monologue for the entire 10 minutes. Yeah. That about makes up for the sparse, paltry dialogue of the two main men. And again, the last ten minutes is my favorite part of the movie, but we will get there. Uh, I was just go ahead. just a brief break. I didn't know where else to say this. As we said, Mar- Margot was played by Raven Delacroix. Back in two thousand one, she and how do you say her name? Kitten Navidad. Kitten Navidad. Kitten, Na- Kitten Navidad reunited. Oh, wonderful. For a new movie. Even also, though they were never in a scene together. Even though they were never in a scene together, but they came together for a new movie. 
uh, in 2001, also with Haji oh. from Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, in 2001 for a superhero movie, a direct-to-video superhero movie called The Double D Avenger. That's fun. I thought you, as, as a Russ Meyer fan, I thought um, you'd appreciate that fun fact. I mean, I'm sure it's a really shittily made movie. Probably. And I would not enjoy it the same way I enjoy Russ Meyer. Yeah. But I'm glad that those older ladies got a chance to be recognized for their chest size once again. <laughs> Observing all of this is creepy cop Homer Johnson, who walks Margot completely nude back to his patrol car. At gunpoint. In a movie that has Adolf Hitler, we have met my least favorite character in the movie. <laughs> well, Homer Johnson does have one of my favorite moments towards the end, which I'll point out. I think I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, there's no other moment you could be thinking about. <laughs> and it is it's not when great. he has sex with Pocahontas. <sighs> yeah. But yeah, so... Uh, and Homer immediately starts victim-blaming. Immediately, immediately starts victim blaming. But also gives an alternate solution where he's like, hey, you know, Leonard Box, the name of the dead man. Mm -hmm. Box. Sex word. Sex word. Leonard. (laughs) That's why they named that character on Big Bang Theory Leonard, because it's a sex word. Right. Leonard, famous uh, reference to Leonard Nimoy, who did famous nude photography of plus-size women. Did he? Therefore, sex... Yeah. I did not know that. Actually, yeah, he did. He, he, he was a photographer in, later in his life, and he did an art project uh, involving a nude and erotic photography of plus-size women uh, to highlight the unfair body standards in the media. Interesting. And I... also just because he really liked taking sexy photos of plus-size women. Yeah. yeah. No, you have to have the passion <laughs> yeah. to, to yeah. pursue that. But yeah. uh... A lot of his uh, art photography projects were nude photography. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. He was extremely good at it. I hope his dick still worked up to the end. (laughs) I hope it was hard in the casket. (laughs) Had to build a little dome to cover up because his cock wouldn't fit in the coffin. Uh, Yeah, I I believe his ashes were rocketed into space, so his dick is off there. Oh, I hope they saved his dick off among the stars. Before he got burned. Yeah, and then and then like, put it in the capsule separately, and yeah. then shot it into the stars. Yeah, yes, yeah. Leonard Box won't be missed, and he fabricates a story about how Leonard died, and Homer saved Margot, mm-hmm. and this is of course in exchange for sex. Yes, which they have frequently in many different places. Margot is entirely on board for this. And again, like the movie tries to cover for this horrible situation that Margot was yeah, in by, by having her by having her enthusiastically consent to it yes. to use the word you used earlier, uh, and uh, does not ap- at all cover it for me personally. Still gross, still incredibly gross, but, still a power imbalance here. But I, I'm going to spoil this now. Yeah, it turns out that Margot is a cop investigating the death of Adolf Schwartz. Yes, so maybe she sees this as a convenient in. Mm. to get in with local law enforcement. But again, why was she jogging randomly? If she's a cop sent here on assignment, this movie takes place over at least a month. She's not very dedicated to solving this crime. She later describes her association with Homer as a convenient coincidence. Yes. Uh, So I think she was genuinely just jogging for personal health reasons on the road. And that uh, this, this all of this happened. I will point out at this point... That in any scene involving Homer where he is in his car, 
his police radio, despite the fact that he identifies himself to Margot upon first meeting her as the only law enforcement in the whole area for miles around, he constantly has his cop radio blaring in the background. Always double entendres. It's like a fucking paradise by the dashboard lights. How many double entendres are going on with this radio? The dialogue on this radio, I, again, I wish I'd written more of it down, uh, is the, the, the only thing I was able to write down was uh, later in a later scene, someone says, 10-5 or the seat looks good to Honey Bucket. Uh, <laughs> but like, this, this, it's this sort of like... It's Russ Meyer by way of of uh, uh, James Joyce, like with the sure. sort of like the the sort of like stream of consciousness bullshit that comes out of this radio. And again, it's like, so bizarre and yet interesting to listen to. Which again, that's the Russ Meyer tightrope. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do something incredibly dumb, mm-hmm. but. I couldn't do this if I didn't have some sort of skill or intelligence. I I, I will say like there is. Clearly, again, don't like this movie. There's a lot of shit that's that's that pisses me off. Yeah. The radio is incredible. I don't know what that says, but like, what's going? Whatever, like Grand Theft Auto, you're radio. there for the radio. Well, like Grand Theft Auto, I'm there for the radio. Uh, after the montage, Margot and Homer in bed. Margot is on Homer's face. Mm-hmm. She doesn't always do it, which makes me mad. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when Margot delivers her lines. She has sort of this Jessica Rabbit cadence where it's like she's a 1940s dame. She's doing a Mae West impression. Oh! Uh, For those who don't know, Mae West was a a comedic actress in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And she... Also busty. Also busty. Very sexual. She was a sex symbol. Extremely sexual. Like, comedy... You watch Vagina's all over her. (laughs) You watch a Mae West movie... And the shit that she got away with saying, I don't understand how she wasn't just shot by the MPAA back in the day. Yeah. Like, uh, if you've ever heard anyone say, come up and see me sometime, that's her. That was her like famous yeah. catchphrase. Her movies got, just like Russ Meyer, progressively more sexual and more broad and bizarre as they went on. One of her last movies is supposedly so weird that I have it on a backlist of movies we oh, might okay. cover for the show. She's an absolute icon, so it makes total sense that when Margot the actress who played Margot, I keep forgetting her name. Raven Delacroix. Raven Delacroix was looking in her head for like, how do I play a sassy, sexually confident woman who's just like, wants sex all the time, but is so tired of the men that she does have sex with? Who am I going to go to? She immediately went to, it's fucking Mae West. You think this was a choice by the actress, not a direction by Russ? It could have been a direction by Russ, but it it does, it feels like, because he's directed so many female characters who have this sort of attitude true, in his true. movies. There are three of them in in, uh, in uh, Pussycat. And he's never had any of them do impressions before. Gotcha. I think this is her being like, kind of like when uh, George Lucas told Carrie Fisher, be a, poli- be a political figure, and she immediately started doing a British accent out of nowhere in the first <laughs> Star Wars movie. In this one, he's like, be a confident, sexual, a dynamite lady. And she was like, Mae West. And just immediately starts like, ah, I just don't, I'm just getting kind of bored here, home. I'm just getting kind of bored. Either way, anytime she does it, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, no, it's um, great. After this, the Greek chorus pops up again, <laughs> reminding us this movie is about Hitler being eaten by a piranha. <laughs> 
<laughs> and reminding us of all the nude women we saw half an hour ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Greek chorus, as she will often do, begins to rattle off every single character we've seen. Yes. We get some footage of the head person eating a banana with their gimp mask on. This is footage that's repeated several times. It was also in the opening credits. Yes. And if you've ever, never watched anyone eat a banana with a gimp mask on, and she is, like, the head person is like, Sort of horizontal across the screen where mm-hmm. her head is and the banana's coming up. It, let me tell you, the banana catches on that zipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think this, it's definitely supposed to be something that's sexy, but it is. I don't think it is. I think it's just supposed to be weird and upsetting. <laughs> well, it definitely was that. So if that was the intention, I was about to like criticize the movie, but if that was the intention, good on you, I guess. Again, I didn't write down a lot of the Greek courses lines but she does refer to Margot as the doe-eyed fucking machine she does yes which yes. i love that's a wonderful turn of phrase yes now again then in the, in the context of watching the movie for the first time it did piss me off later on we find out that Margot is like us has the sexual appetite of may west like yeah. is just incredibly dick hungry but uh and that's fine but like up until this point in the film, the only sex that we've seen her have oh, is, has uh, been yes. uh, non-consexual sex, including the sex that she has with Homer, which is coercion, which is sex through coercion. And so, like, I felt very upset when that was brought up. Okay, like the feet during the sex scene going Sig Heil, Sig Heil. This will make sense later on when we get to know Margot better. This is a better. movie that benefits from multiple rewatches. Yes, that's what I'm saying is 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 watch this movie I just specifically did not recommend multiple times. <laughs> but uh one other thing uh the the chorus as she does increasingly throughout the film. I think she started in the last chorus segment. Starts humping logs. Yeah. She's outside. She doesn't have anyone else to have sex with in the movie yet. Uh, but she's, so she's just starting humping some trees. And Kitten Navidad, not a fan of being outdoors nude, no. uh, with the ants crawling up her and... She, she, that's a specific quote from her that I did read is that she, that she was not a fan of all the ants crawling up her ass. Uh, I, when watching the movie, just kept thinking about all the splinters she would get in her vagina from humping the, that log. Every time Margo is having sex with Homer, I do want to highlight Raven Delacroix's acting, not only the Mae West impression, which is great, but also mm. like... During the sex scenes, she is overacting how much she's enjoying it, yeah. especially whenever she gets to be on top, just sort of like doing this weird kind of hula dance on top of Homer, which is great. It is great. But uh, the, the the part of the movie that, that was kind of pissing me off, the movie, at least on Wikipedia, is it's called a comedy. Uh, and I do think the movie is trying to be funny. A lot of the jokes during... They're, Find ways to make jokes during sex scenes. There have sure. been plenty of very funny sex scenes in other movies. Uh, name seven. <laughs> uh, I'll at least name the Naked Gun. The sex scene in the first Naked Gun movie is, okay. pretty, is quite funny. I've uh, never seen that porn. The, the sex scene in uh, Underworld Rise of the Lycans is unintentionally hilarious. Uh, but this movie's approach to se- sex and comedy is to have sex scenes happening on screen, and then have a lot of goofy sound effects. And a lot of over-exaggerated movement. A lot of over... A lot of... Yes. Yeah, mostly on the on the part... I will say, one thing that is very consistent with Russ Meyer's filmography of the two movies from him that I've seen, is that not only do, in the narrative, the women carry the weight, 
in terms of like the actual like talent on screen, the women carry yeah. the fucking movie. Unless Charles Napier is there. Unless Charles Napier is there, yes. Doctor Charles Napier. Doctor Charles Scumbag Napier. Scumbag MD. <laughs> Charles Napier is probably fine. His roles are always scumbags. For for the record, I heard one time I was in a Subway sandwich restaurant, uh-huh. and Charles Napier came up to me, right, and he grabbed my sandwich uh-huh. and he shoved it down his pants. He's like, "How do you like this bulge, son?" <laughs> then he walked away. Wow, wow. So I will tell you that he is a scumbag in real life. Nimrod, have you had any bad experiences with Charles Napier? Um, this isn't Nimrod. What was Nimrod's voice? <laughs> more uh, that. More this, more yeah. this. Um, yeah. We owned a restaurant together. Oh my God. Uh, called Nim and Nape. Right, right, right. And we only served uh, fish, not piranhas, but Obviously. all the lesser kinds of fish. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but we didn't have any refrigeration ah. because I was in charge of that. And I have trouble making phone calls. It gives me a lot of anxiety. Ah, I see. So all the fish went bad and a lot of people got sick and died. Ah, I see. Okay. That seems and, like more of a you problem than a Charles Napier problem. Well, he Don't... should have recognized my disability. Ah, I see. Okay. Okay. I told him, Chucky. Uh-huh. I have trouble making phone calls. Is that how he prefers to be called, Chucky? That's what I called him. He didn't seem to like it. Oh, okay, but... okay. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Nonetheless, it, oh, uh, and here's where I know that we the movie constantly displays date and time. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. Nonetheless, at one, at it, one point, the movie says it's 1 a.m. during a broad daylight sequence. <laughs> the day-for-night shooting in this movie is not great. <laughs> Most of the time when you say day for night, there's some sort of filter to make it look like night. This was no filter, just out in the middle of the same river that all the other sex scenes take place in, in broad daylight, and it said 1 a.m. Okay, well, you go and make your sexploitation movie. <laughs> Asshole. You round up all these busty ladies. And then introduce them to me. Oh, I see. There's an ulterior motive here. What? <laughs> Nonetheless, it is many days after this stuff happens, and we are at Alice's Cafe mm-hmm. restaurant. It says both things on the front of the restaurant. It says Alice's Cafe, and under that restaurant, right, you can get anything you want at Alice's Cafe restaurant. <laughs> you ever hear that song? Yo, yeah, I listen to it. That song, listen Arlo to it every every Thanksgiving. Yeah, the massacre. The the massacre. I haven't heard the massacre. No, that he talks about the massacre. Either. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a part of the song. I, I, uh, the other joke that I had written down, which I can't believe I didn't think of the song Alice's Restaurant when watching the movie. The joke that I made was, uh, the Alice sitcom is a lot different than I remembered it being. Oh, yeah, probably yeah. a more obscure pool. I guess so. I mean, it's it's yet another Alice working in a diner. True. Yeah, but Alice and Paul, her uh, husband, I assume. They're oh no, she she specifically says husband that's later, right. later on that's in the right. movie. Yeah, they are hard at work mm-hmm. serving up burgers, serving up serving up turkey salad sandwiches. Yes, serving up Dino nuggets. The uh, the name Paul is so generic. Yes, uh, it, it, like I said, it, almost it's every a biblical name. It has deep roots. <laughs> sure, almost every protagonist in Hammer movies, if they're not named Hans, is named Paul. But uh, that word, the name is so generic for a movie protagonist. Every time they would say it in the movie, it would bounce right off my brain. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it... 
the first time I was taking notes before I looked at the cast list on Wikipedia, I thought his name was Peter. Sure. Um, yeah, it's like something P. So the entire movie, whenever I made notes about him, I called him either husband, uh, boy toy, or pilgrim man. Pilgrim Man is the most sensical one to me. Yeah. Although we of, never see him in that costume again. No, no. So that was clearly something that was, again, part of Hitler's very complicated and then specific fetish. Yes. It was not something that he chose to wear that day. Uh, we get a scene where Homer is blown by a woman he pulled over, always co- coercing women into sex. Yes. And again, they the, try and make it okay by making it the woman's idea. Yeah. And here's where we get a lot of the radio stuff, a lot of the double entendre. A lot more radio stuff during the scene, yeah. At the end of the day, all that matters is that Homer comes so hard that his feet burst through his shoes. That is the most important element. And that is that is what I want all of you listening to go home with today. Go I, home, meditate on that. Meditate on that. Have you ever had a, an O that good? I'm usually not wearing shoes while I'm having an O. Well, maybe change that up. Yeah. Although you'll ruin your shoes. I will ruin my shoes, and I, but you know I, what? I do go through shoes very quickly. You know what? You can support a local cobbler. That's true. That's true. You can true. support Adam Sandler. He was a cobbler in that movie. <laughs> what movie was that? The Cobbler. The Cobbler? That's an actual... You were, you That's an know actual about this. Adam Sandler movie? You didn't know about this crazy fucking movie where Adam Sandler puts on shoes and becomes different people? No! What the hell is this that you're talking it's about? The Cobbler! The Cobbler? <laughs> Is this a Russ Meyer movie? No, it's a real fucking... It's a real goddamn Adam Sandler movie. I'm not sure I believe you. It is. <laughs> you know I You know I eventually tell the truth. This is a real fucking movie. And apparently now we have to do it for the show. I'm not sure that we do. That can be a you one. That could be a me one? Yeah. Oh, thank God. It's a me one. <laughs> uh, Homer goes into Alice's cafe and Paul gives him a little shit about... The two deaths that have occurred yeah. of Hitler and Leonard Box. Again, they think Hitler is Schwartz because yes. the people in this town are not are not very smart. No. Yeah. In walks Rafe, a big lumberjack mm-hmm. uh, who will become important later. Yeah. And Homer suggests that Margot works at the cafe because she'll bring in a lot of customers. Now... He specifically suggests this with like uh, making eyes at Paul yeah. with the idea that this is go- his way of allowing Paul to get a crack at her. Uh, like that's the sort of vibe of this. And both of them constantly te- cheat cheat on the other. Oh yeah. But seem to not want to acknowledge it to the other. Yeah. And it's it's also And like, also are like fine with them fucking other people but just like not in my front yard. And it's also uh very, it, it, and it also seems like Alice and Paul have a kind of relationship like that as yeah. well. Which because uh, Alice likes the ladies, as we found out a- in the beginning. Alice has her 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 lady friend on the side, who uh, again, like talking about the the talent when when it comes to the ladies. Like even the, just the brief bits of dialogue that Alice and Gwendolyn had together, they had great chemistry. Oh, uh, uh, which. Paul's a fucking dud. Paul is a block of fucking wood. Like, and that's not even a dick joke. He's just a block of wood. But like, uh, but uh, Alice has this whole sort of attitude where she comes over and can see the the sort of like understanding that's passing. Between yeah, Paul and she and Homer, seems fine with it, and she too. seems absolutely fine with it. She's very sort of open about like, hey. Yeah, yeah, he he can he's going to go after but, this girl Margot. Sure, whatever. Maybe I'll want to pass it her too. Who knows? Yeah, but I it's don't just, know. There's I'm there's not, there's a sort of like it's 
un unsaid sexual positivity that gets undone later, but like is it, it does does seem to be there, and it kind of was weirdly heartwarming. But it also, while it is a sex and uh, non monogamous relationship uh, positive, mm-hmm. uh, neither of us are do that in our lives but no. it, it, people can do whatever they want as long as they don't hurt oh anybody. yeah no i'm not bringing this um, up to be negative but no what i'm saying is there's also it speaks to a very real pressure on women to be quote unquote cool yes so even though she has yes That's jealousies as we're going to find out later mm-hmm. and she likes to have her side stuff mm-hmm. it's not uncommon to want our cake and eat it too yeah yeah no, I, I will, I will, yeah, no, I mean, the, the idea of, like, being in a relationship and having sex outside of it is not one that, uh, like I said, either of us mm. sort of dabble in, but it is something that people do dabble in yeah. and that, that's fine. If you're a consenting adult, as, as long, long as, as everyone is happy and safe and comfortable. Exactly. That's, that, that's what it comes down to. That's the part of this that I found, like weirdly heartwarming was yeah. that that it did seem for a second if you ig- ignore how the homer margot relationship happened yes it almost seems like this is this sort of just sort of very progressive understanding between these mm-hmm. these folks uh but yeah there there is also an element of this sort of thing where you could see another way where russ myers is like margot's so cool don't you wish that my no, girlfriend no, no. was cool I'm i'm saying that like it's not I think it. I think he's saying like, even though she clearly does not want this, she has to put on this face for Paul, where it's like, yeah, this is fine, but really, it's not for her. Oh, you think that that's where they were going with the Alice character? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. I I did not pick up on that earlier, but that does kind of come in. That that does make sense with later events. Yeah. yeah. No, and what what I speaking to the pressure to be cool, like mm-hmm. like. Hey, baby, like, you're okay if I do this, right? Right. Okay. You don't want to make me angry or make me leave or whatever. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Later, Alice Dark. And, later, Alice and Paul frolic nude in nature and do sex things. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time where I found the movie to be kind of boring. This stretch was just like... Sure. I don't care. It doesn't help that Paul's a dud. Here's a weird thing about the pe- casting of Paul. Yeah. Not that I'm one to judge male attractiveness or the attractiveness of anybody. Sure. Paul, average-looking man, I'd say. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's... He's not it's, unattractive. It is very difficult. Like, I am... I'm married to a... Uh, and she doesn't mind me saying this, because she's, she's uh, out now, uh, a bisexual woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she and I can sometimes, like talk about like what women we find attractive together yeah uh but like when it whenever like it comes to talking about male attractiveness i am so completely blind to yeah it. and it's it's this sort of thing where like we i mean we both talked about like wanting to fuck sonny chiba yeah. last, that last no, time I, there are men that i can admit that are attractive there and... are some of them that, that like pop out to me but like i kaylee has like said oh my god he's so hot and i have been like Really? Like yeah. so many times it's that not I, even, I am have no uh, confidence in my ability to judge something like that. Let's say that Paul looks fine. Paul looks... There, I, I will not, say that that's fine. He wasn't yeah. horribly burned, and even sure. if he was horribly burned, that's okay. Sure. <laughs> but he's not... He's yeah. not he's not like a pig man. No, he's not a pig man, but, unlike, unlike the husband from Tag. But he can't 
act worth a shit. No. And because they use fake dicks in this movie, it's not like they cast him for his dick. Right. So was Paul really the best choice? I will say he he looks weirdly more of a modern type of man than a 70s attractive guy. I guess. He has a full beard, not just a mustache. And he has like sort Um, of shorter cropped hair, whereas most of the time when you cast, when in the 70s they would cast for an attractive male type, they would... Essentially cast, essentially cast a guy with Goldie Hawn hair. Like they would usually like. Yeah, there'd go be for some like, styling to it. Some sort of styling is like this is what women like. But again, as we have mentioned to each other off air, this movie is not made for the titillation of women. No. So it may have been that they were just sort of like, who have we got? True. Who, who Very we, true. Who have we got? Yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't his focus. He's like, no one gives a shit about you anyway. Right. It doesn't matter. They looked at Homer and they were like. Okay, you are more for the comedy. You have a face more for comedy than that. Like he, he, Homer's not unattractive, but like at the no. same, he's not horrible. But like he's he's not leading man thing. And this guy was like, you're a little bit more leading man ingenue type. We're gonna put yeah. you in the Paul part. I will say, I actually once again just kind of enjoyed uh, this sex scene a little bit more, I think, than you okay. did. For, for two reasons. Well, one, one is our first consensual sex scene. That is a big part, yeah. And and uh, Alice has this thing in this scene where she is just not as into the sex in a lot of the shots that they cut to as much as she's just doing sort of general pin-up poses yeah. while Paul is desperately trying to interest her by like <laughs> by like sort of like trying to, to, to nom on her boobs and stuff. And like she's just of, like sort of posing for the cameras like, not now, Paul, the photo the, the camera's on. And that's sort of a thing that will come back in the last ten minutes as well. Kind of, yeah. And then there also uh uh Paul or is again my notes keep calling him Pilgrim Man. Uh Again, this this these sex scenes are probably s- simulated. No, They're I'm probably sure they not are. real. But uh, P- Paul's a- problem with acting extends to his ability to fake sex. Where, or maybe this is a reference to a later plot point that's revealed that Paul is a- eleven inches. Where Paul's arcs back for his thrusts are so far. Well, it's he's winding up for them pitches. I think it's part of the comedy, like. Yeah. With the pretty young thing that Homer picks up and gets blown by. Sure. Her head is going up and down like she yeah. is trying but, to deep throat a pool noodle. But not as far as, like, there's, there are bits where Paul is getting blown, I think, in a later sex scene. And it's even more, like, yeah, she's going up and down like crazy in the car. But uh, in a later scene, another lady is going on, on Paul so high up, I didn't know that it was supposed to be a blowjob scene until they cut back to it later. I thought they were just having a, another extremely awkward bit of sex. Uh, we get another Greek chorus scene, and here's where she really starts to become a fever dream. Uh, mm-hmm. Her dialogue is so fast, so it's fast. so flowery, there are shots of the head person licking a nipple, mm-hmm. the chorus is... She's dancing, there's a shot of her peeking out from behind a log. And I want to mention, like, she's not just listing characters... She's she's not over and over describing the list of characters who were involved in the the orgy with... Any character. Hitler. She's Any character naming, we are introduced to. Every time she comes on, she goes back and recaps... All of the characters in the film, every single one, characters who don't have names, the hitchhiker, not the hitchhiker, the truck driver who blew Homer, every single character. Everyone is a suspect. Everyone is a suspect in this movie, and it becomes almost a pokey rap by the end. 
Oh, man, that would have been great. That would have been great. A little bit too early. A little bit too early. A little bit too early. Uh, For the remake we're going to make of this film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that yeah. you're going to helm because you I'm love going it so to direct much. because I love it so much. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Margo starts working at Alice's. Oh, wait. And... I wrote a note. Wow, I really don't care who killed Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> really? You don't want to know who did that? Uh, no, I don't I don't really care. If they wish to remain if oh, they wish man. to come forward, good on them. If they wish to remain anonymous, I'm I'm fine with giving this weird eugenicist religious fish over here the credit. Well thank you. You're welcome. I I think the same of you. <laughs> uh thank you, I guess. Margot starts working at Alice's and all the men are flocking to see her, mm -hmm. including Rafe, our lumberjack. Uh, guy. Yeah. I was about to call him friend, but I don't want to consider him a friend. No. Uh, no. And he seems quite taken with her. And what man wouldn't be? Sure. No, she's very attractive. Assuming you enjoy busty ladies. He's, although, Alice does say she that is, she used to be a boob girl, but seeing the ass on Margot, now she's converted. True. Yes. True. Like, uh, Saul to Paul on the scales fell from her butt. I'm sorry. That was a Homer line, not an Alice line. I oh. misremembered. Alice is very interested in Margot, and yes. that's what confused me. But that is actually a Homer line from the previous scene when he was telling Paul about her. That is right. All right. Uh, Margot and Paul leave, with Paul going to get supplies and Margot going for a swim. Mm -hmm. But what's this? Paul follows, and they fuck. Yes. And fuck, and fuck, and I think I was bored during this, too. Uh, Whenever Paul's fucking... Yeah, not a fan of it. I understand. Fuck better, Paul. Fuck better, Paul. Uh, two things. Uh, I... Let's make it. That's gonna be our first bit of merch. <laughs> it's gonna be a shirt that says "Fuck better, Paul." Fuck better, Paul. The only two things I I made note of during the scene. Yes, I was very bored during the scene. I was like, yeah, of course these characters fuck and, uh, but uh, Margot is wearing very nice wedges uh, before she gets undressed. Oh, you're a shoe man. Uh, I don't know. She's, Would you like to sniff mine? No. <laughs> oh, it's just lady shoes just, you like to sniff. Just very nice wedges. Uh, and then uh, there's a... At you the, mean the golf club, right? A sand wedge? <laughs> sure. She's she, has them, she has them strapped to her knees <laughs> as like guards in case someone tries to kick her shins. Yes. You got hurt more, actually. <laughs> Not a bright woman, Margot. Not, not a bright woman, Margot. And the other thing is that uh, one of the few moments where I was like, oh yeah, Russell Meyer is like an interesting filmmaker, is that this particular sex scene ends on, it does go on for a little bit too long, Yes. but there's like this weird sort of like shadowy silhouetted moment at the end uh, when they, they sort of like, where it seems to depict them coming down from, from the the orgasm and sort of like cuddling at the end. And I was like... I don't think they really meant to communicate anything with this shot, but if this was like a, a a movie with more plot and they were like trying to show that Paul and Margot were falling in love or something, mm. that would have been really good. It was just like yeah. a, a weird moment of absolutely pointless artistry in the middle of this I think pointless scene. Russ Meyer has like a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on where okay. the Hyde part is like tits, <laughs> and the Jekyll part is like. Low angles? <laughs> I feel like most men's hide is just like this weird monster running around yelling, TITS! I think that's like, that's yeah. that's some, some uh, kind of sums up the, the male condition, at least in America. True. Assuming you like Brits. Uh, assuming you some like women. Some people like yeah. derrieres. True. 
Uh, or some people don't like women at all. Right. Yeah. They're called misogynists. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we get some more casual 70s racism yeah. as Homer fucks a woman in Native American headdress. We get a bizarre bit where she seems to grab onto a light bulb and electrocutes them both. I, I should I should uh, mention, not real Native American hair, headdress. Like, they went to a Halloween or joke store and yeah. they bought like a strap with a with a feather in it and put yes, it on this woman's head absolutely yeah uh and here's what we were alluding to before mm-hmm. uh margo is coming home homer rushes out the character who is referred to as pocahontas yeah and margo is sort of like trying to sneak in home after her fuck session yes again they both seem completely fine with everyone fucking anyone but they yeah. have to hide it from each other right which could be a story in its own it could be i mean it, during the earlier scene when we first heard her may west impression is a scene when he, he is uh eating her out she's sitting on his face and he somehow is able to a lot of face sitting in this a lot movie. of face sitting female empowerment female empowerment that's what the 70s were all about that's what the 70s were all about every part of them but somehow he's able to talk completely clearly while doing this and they have a quick conversation where she says she's getting bored of him and he's like you better not cheat on me and she's like you can't couldn't stop me if i did and that seems to be the only kind of understanding that they have between each other about this whole thing margo arrives home she's also nude homer's gotten to the shower she gets in with him in silhouette in silhouette we see her grab his dick and say, it's all red, like you've been fucking an Indian. <sighs> that joke would have probably been hilarious in the 70s when we did not care about racism. <sighs> we get another Greek chorus scene. Everything she says is insane. I wish I could, I mm-hmm. wish I could had lines written down so you could understand how fucking insane everything the Greek chorus says. Yes. Rafe is now among the suspects, as is the pretty young thing that Homer picked up. Yes. Now uh, we see that... I, I will say, at this point, and this is the point in the movie where I decided that I hated it. And it's because the movie goes just keeps going on for so long. It's, it's not actually that long. Again, it's an hour and 20. It's yeah. a very short movie. But this middle bit where it's just like... Sex, people being mean to each other. Sex, people being mean to each other. Sex, being mean. And I just, and I keep coming back to the chorus. It got so monotonous for me. And I understand it's weird to say about a movie that's this wild and crazy. But the wild and craziness was so pointless or felt so pointless at this point in the film that I just started like getting upset. (sighs) Yeah, I can understand that. For me, it was the Greek chorus that kept me on board. Like, every time she would show up, I was like, oh, yeah, this is insane again. Why the fuck is this on film? (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Now we see that Alice is opening up a new restaurant, Alice's Cafe 2. Yes. Or it might be just Alice's 2. I'm not sure. I think it's Alice's Cafe Restaurant 2. You can get anything you want at Alice's Cafe Restaurant 2. Yes. Homer comes in and provides some exposition that Leonard Box might have had some dealings with Adolf Schwartz. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. In the plot that is not relevant at all. The plot is not not thickening and not even a thing still. At Homer and Margot's place, a mysterious figure takes an axe to the electricity uh, conduits. Yes. Do we ever... Is this... Do we ever find out who this is supposed to be? I think... 
Well, I think so. I think that there's is an implication. Is this the reveal at the end? Okay. I think that the reveal at the end is supposed to be pointing towards this. I think. Oh, yes, actually, we do. We do know who this is. Although they never actually explicitly state it because uh, of something we'll talk about later. All okay. I'll say for now is that Alice is late to her own opening. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And Alice's two is hopping. Rafe, mm-hmm. who is, for some reason, when he gives comes in, is given an axe. He doesn't right, have his trademark axe with him. Because his axe was used to cut the power cord. Right. Yes. Uh, someone stole his axe and used it to cut the cord to cut the cord at the house, and now he's showing up and he's uh, screaming for beer. Screaming for beer. Beer. Uh, beer. Rafe, beer. Rafe has been a relatively like passive presence yeah. in this movie up until now, and he just suddenly his now he becomes the heavy. Now he's suddenly just a screaming asshole. Margot enters in a dress that's more like a long negligee. I wrote down Margot's dressed as a vampire. <laughs> she's just got like a long, like she's 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 wearing ap- completely see through uh, panties, mm-hmm. in, which are very visible uh, under the because has the because uh, has slits, slits up to her navel. It's, it's less of a dress and more that she like Scarlett O'Hara found some drapes and like put them around her <laughs> very loosely, but they're all black and. Um, I I also wrote down uh, the actress who plays Margot. Uh, would have made a good Vampira or potentially Vampirella if they had yep. ever made a movie of those characters in the 70s. She does a dance for the patrons in a loft. She was apparently asked by Paul and Alice to make a speech <laughs> for the opening, because I'm sure her presence is so much to do with their their success, success in their business. Uh, and she's like, I'm, I'm not really someone for making speeches. I'm not really one for making speeches. So instead she uh, has them turn on the jukebox and does a little uh, go-go dance. Uh, also, uh, apparently, um, every time I have to scroll back to see her actress's name. Raven Delacroix. Thank you. Also, apparently in real life, Raven Delacroix did work as a stripper for a time. Okay. So this is uh, this is in her wheelhouse. In her lime house. In her in her. Oh my god. <laughs> She uh, she comes down and she dances with one of the customers mm-hmm. until she is accosted by Rafe, who picks her up and puts her on the bar top to dance some more. Rafe is getting rowdier. Mm-hmm. Paul sends Alice to go get Homer. Let's be more specific about this, because this part knocked me out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alice does not believe that Rafe is a problem at this point. Paul's like, are you crazy? We have to get to a phone and call someone. Mm. Immediately, I'm like, pick up the phone behind the bar. There is no phone behind no. the bar. There is, however, a secret passageway. Yes! A they secret thought of passage- everything but a phone. They, But they did install an elaborate secret passageway that opens up near a payphone nearby that Paul says, Alice, quick, get to the secret passageway to get to a phone. Yes. And I just want to say, you kids these days with your cell phones don't know how hard it was back in the back day. Back in the 70s, it just... You had to build a secret passageway. You, That's... <laughs> Resident Evil environments are based on 70s environments. <laughs> where 70s environments. You need to get four chest plugs in order to get to from one room to another. Exactly, exactly. It was it was a it was a fucking nightmare. Uh Rafe paws at Margot. Paul tries to stop him, but he's pushed against the wall, knocked out. Mm-hmm. And again, here's where the movie becomes especially unpleasant as Rafe begins to rape Margot. 
and again uh, is treated as a relatively harmless and funny moment. So, to an extent, it you know, is. Margot's is... not happy about it, and Alice isn't happy about it, and Paul isn't happy about it. But everybody else well, in the establishment is very happy about that's, it. That's that's my thing. Is that I think that adds to the unsettlingness of it again the music the sound effects the music do not help but this is a horrifying situation and i think on some level meyer understands that and is like but that's not the kind of picture he's making he's not making irreversible he's making up i i disagree like the fact like again the music that's being played is not it's not the jaunty... It, I keep describing things as jaunty, so let me be specific. It's not the jaunty, ooh, we've got a slightly bigger dildo than normal, uh, slightly bigger strap-on than normal music that we had earlier. This is like raucous, we're at a carnival, or it's the last couple minutes of Casino Royale kind of music that plays during this bit. All of the patrons of the bar are cheering it on like this is a sporting event. Well, you can also see that as uh, the music reflecting the mood of the crowd, not necessarily the mood of the filmmaker. Like and that adds the unsettlingness of what's going on. Like, mayhaps they have also none directed, of the reasonable people are enjoying this. Margot is not react she reacts with horror to this event later yeah now she's not what she's doing now is she's doing comedic sort of noises yeah that's what tips it over the edge for me i agree with you i i could buy what you're saying as a sort of psychedelic horror circus uh moment if it weren't for that where like even outside of the editing room on the day of filming they're like no you're not reacting this way you're reacting like uh the mom from Mary Poppins got stuck on a on a on a joyride that's going a little bit too fast and you're making that noise. Gotcha. Uh now here you argue it's the last ten minutes, I argue it's the last twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Here's where the movie once again picks up and becomes wild as fuck. Oh, I should mention Alice tries to get uh Margot safe and Rafe throws her down, rips her clothes off, and starts raping her not at the yet. same time. Not yet. Oh, not yet? Sorry. Not yet. Okay. Cut that out, and we'll, I'll say it again later. All right. Uh, Alice has gone to call Homer mm-hmm. at a payphone very far away, seemingly. Yes. Homer arrives, and Alice comes back, but she gets... Oh, I'm sorry. You were pretty much correct. Okay. But she gets pulled into the assault. Yep. She starts getting... He's raping two women at the same time. It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Homer grabs Rafe, Rafe's axe and puts it in his fucking chest. Uh, before this, all the patrons, when the when when Homer shows up, all the patrons of the bar run out. One of them apologizes to Rafe for tripping over his leg. I just wanted to point out that he apologized to Rafe. Sure. Uh, as they ran out the door. But yes, Homer comes up and... We, fucking puts the axe in Rafe's back like it's the goddamn Shining. <laughs> Homer comforts the woman, women... As Rafe pulls out the axe and sticks it in Homer's chest, like mm-hmm. the Reverse Shining, like the like the Reverse Shining, or like the the like uh, like Dick Halloran in, in the Shining. Sure, yeah. Rafe then carries the two women away under his arms like a fucking Frankenstein monster. Yeah, Rafe is definitely like sort of the taking on the King Kong role at this yes. point. And as unsavory as this is, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed the shot. Of this terrible, huge man just mm-hmm. 
so hulking that he's just carrying two women away under his arm. Sure, sure. I, I can I can buy that. I was still too upset from the previous... I understand. ...what had been going on. I understand. But I, I've watched a lot more exploit. Not that I enjoy rape in any context. I understand. But I am more used to seeing it in films like this. As we have discussed, you are more evolved than I. Yes. Right, yeah. I'm the alpha male. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that bullshit science has been debunked several times, yes. Well, you know what? You know what they say about science? What? No one gives a shit. That's true. That's very true. Homer then takes down a chainsaw, of which I assume oh, wait. this is where... Before that, Homer reaches down to the axe in his chest right. and rips it out of his own heart. There is a quote from Russ Meyer that I read where he was like, one thing I did not expect to run into making that movie was how precious, I guess he was referring to people on the set, were about the violence. Where I was thinking, yeah, I know my audience. They'll accept that a man can get a, an axe to the heart, rip it out of his own chest, and just grab a chainsaw yeah. and run. But everyone on the set was like, I don't know, this seems pretty unrealistic. And he's like, just do what I tell yeah. you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, at this point, with this movie that you're making, like, why are you quibbling about this? This is one of the best parts of the movie. Like, Of the things that I don't like about this movie, this does not make the list. No, again, this, this is, is where the movie starts to get really strong again. This is one of the better things. Again, if I hadn't been so upset about what I'd just seen, I would have enjoyed this bit a lot more. And also, I would have enjoyed this more if Homer Johnson weren't such a shit heel. That's the other thing, is that the movie is constantly telling me that I'm supposed to like or be amused by Homer, and I'm not, because he sucks. So, the fact that he got, like, a cool badass moment at the end of this movie did, that is, that's true, I forgot. Yeah. That it was a kind of a twisting of the knife kind of thing for me. But, again, not, I could be meeting this movie much more than halfway. We've done that many times. But could this be a commentary on your average leading male shitheel, where they're not uh -huh. good, but we're still still expected to cheer for them? Because um, they had because they do heroic things, we're meant to forgive the shitty things they do mm -hmm. in the course of their average life. Uh, given how many times the movie has excused Homer's actions, I'm going to say I don't buy that. But I buy that as an interpretation, maybe just not as an, an artistic intention. Gotcha. If that makes sense. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. So Homer takes down the chainsaw and goes after Rafe. Homer charges at Rafe and plunges the chainsaw into him, crying, "'Tis a far, far better thing I do." Right. <laughs> just, that is the moment that I was like, I woke up out of my reverie and was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he, he yells, it's far better than I do, and drives the chainsaw drives right into Drives it into him. Blood is spraying on both of them. Oh it's my fucking God. great. So good. Uh, both men tumble down the hill, dead. The quote he's quoting, if you didn't pick up on it, that's a quote from A Tale of Two Cities. Yes. Famously, a speech that a character delivers as they are sacrificing themselves for the sake of their loved ones. Yeah. And that's what he's evoking here as he sacrifices his life for them. But he didn't know that he was going to fall off that cliff. He was just plunging a chainsaw into yeah. a dude. And then coincidentally falls off the cliff right after. But he still, like, preemptively says that line as he dives into it. But I also want to point out that as shitty as Homer Johnson is, yes. he still dies. He still gets the ultimate punishment. That is true. No, as as you said in the beginning, and I I was like trying to think. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Homer. And I was like, oh no, he does die. Yeah. Yeah. Every every rapist does uh, die in this yeah. in this movie. 
That is correct. The two women, Margot and Alice, comfort each other, which mm-hmm. qu- quickly turns sexy. Sexy yes. caresses, which Paul sees and smiles. Everything's going to be all right. On the one hand, I do. I, I, I again, if if this was more of like sort of the polycule thing that I was uh, pitching for earlier, enjoy that. I, I like that aspect of this film it's good to see representation even for lifestyles that you do not participate in right but the the thing that i was a little bit annoyed by even in this scene was that margo was still crying alice stops crying and starts feeling margo up well and i'm like wow margo can't catch a break she's either being ogled or or molested at every second of her life no matter what her emotional well as we're about to learn very soon yes again alice is not a good person very true later margo makes a mysterious phone call and this is she's followed by a cop car and this is where we ostensibly learn that she is an undercover cop or just a cop or whatever it is later stated more upfrontly but yes she she makes a mysterious phone call and and says like uh like basically any new orders or something like that i i will say um just preemptively this note was made later on but just to give you an idea of where we're about to go the next note i have is wait what the fuck That's the title of this next sequence. There are also, by the way, we've, we've been skipping over it. There's like Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 titles, I mm. think, as well. We've been skipping I, over all that shit. I don't recall those, but... Maybe I'm making that up. No, I'm thinking of the epilogue. Never mind. Margot gets into the shower. Someone throws Homer's bloody hat onto the bed. Bad luck, a hat on the bed. Have you ever heard that? I have not heard that, no. no. But I do know from uh, the James Bond movie Live and Let Die that if you have a hat with a feather in it covered in blood on your bed, it is a sign that you're about to be uh, murdered by mm. a voodoo man. I doubt that that is any, in any way realistic, but I'm glad, that's what Live and Let Die said. I'm glad me. voodoo men are so polite yeah. that they announce their murder intentions. Right. Unlike karate men. You never Unlike, know where they're coming exactly. from. Yeah. A figure in black stabs at Margot through the curtain. Margo mm. runs for it. The figure follows. It's sweet little Alice. Sweet little Alice. The least likely suspect, as we're told. As Margo literally says, as she's looking almost directly into the camera lens, Alice, the least likely suspect. <laughs> Which is fucking hilarious. Yes. It's so goddamn good. This is the moment I start liking this movie. <laughs> Alice chases Margo, screaming, You and your round, muscular ass, we'll see what advantages it gives you in a fight to the death. <laughs> Uh, they're they're tussling a little bit. They're out of doors, of course, because it's easier to shoot out of doors and yeah, cheaper, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alice at one point goes behind a tree. We hear a zipper sound effect, and she comes out fully unclothed. I should ar- I should mention, by the way, none of the clothing that she wore had any zippers. No, <laughs> except maybe her pants. But that's it. We find out that Alice is Adolf Schwartz's daughter, and she. She dramatically reveals that Adolf Schwartz was Adolf Hitler. Yes. Yes. And she is Ava Brown Jr. Or as they say repeatedly in this movie, Ava Brown Jr. Ava Brown Jr., yes. Uh, Oh, before this, she announced, right before that's revealed, she does acknowledge that the reason why she wants to kill Margot is not because she's an undercover cop, even though she does know that. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way, Margot Winchester is a great name for a crime fighter, and yeah. I wish, I wish that m- this movie had been The Adventures of Margot Winchester. That would have <laughs> been great. But uh, she says that the reason why she wants to kill her is because she's uh, 
she has been raping, in other words, like manipulating and sleeping with Paul. Yeah. And Margot says, you're mad that I'm stealing Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then echoing and, our thoughts, and she calls him a medium, and she's like, "He's not that good looking," and he's a medium lay at that, which is the first genuine laugh this movie got from me. I repeated that line to my wife later, and she also laughed. That line is just gold. And then Alice sort of goes, "Well, you know." <laughs> Also, it's like okay, okay, okay. Let's 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 be fair to Paul. Yeah, the energy he puts into things. Like the, the energy he puts into things. There's something about that naivete. And eleven inches is eleven inches. You got to give him that. This is fucking There's gold. So many fucking all the dialogue that happens once the attempted murder of Margot happens is all fucking insane. Now it gets even more insane. Yes. As Margot keeps rattling off all these facts about like all of these twists, all these facts about how no Hitler is dead. What about the bodies outside the bunker? What about this? What about this? Yeah. And every now turn, they start caring about plots. <laughs> by the way, by the way, this is all happening while they're chasing. Well, yeah. while Alice is chasing Margot and Alice just keeps going, well, actually, here's what happened. Yeah. And, and this goes on for a solid three minutes. All of Margot's dialogue is written like it was Superman in the 1950s TV show. Like, it's all like this very overdramatic, heroic posturing yes. of like, the Third Reich was a failure from the beginning, uh, uh, Eva Brown Jr. Why would you do this? And all this stuff. And, and, and just going nuts. And so, yeah, she was, she was mad. She was hidden from Hitler because of... The Hitler family's history of incest. Yes, which we find out that she murdered Adolf Schwartz, yes. a.k.a. Adolf Hitler, Yes, because Adolf would not fuck her. No, I thought I thought it was because he was fucking Paul. It is. It, it's two things. Yeah. He fucked Paul, but mm -hmm. also he would not fuck her. Oh, I missed that. I'm bit. pretty sure that's... I, I wouldn't granted at this time at this point the movie is off the fucking rails and it's hard to understand a lot of what's going on. Again, it is very difficult to find this movie. The version that we have found it's not like a Criterion version where they've like cleaned up the audio and everything. Yeah. So there, there are was, no subtitles. There are no subtitles or anything. So there were bits of the explanation that she says that are that that weren't garbled, should we say? But we're talking about like 1970s cheap ass recording technology yeah, mixed again, with modern day digitization processes it wasn't the most clear it could have been and again this was all filmed outside so they would have to do cheap adr later cheap adr and also the characters are all running naked through the woods while yes. they're delivering these lines so i'm sure that they're like a little bit breathless there's a great moment alice like throws her knife at margo it bounces off a rock and she goes shit <laughs> it's so goddamn i would the actress like, who plays alice is my favorite she's great she's so she's good great. she's um, so good i wish you enjoyed this movie more just so you could like treasure these last moments more like have like more of a these last 10 minutes are so fucking good like i I, I, I just wish like that those last ten minutes had been the whole movie because like like we were talking about we're, we we may, we talked about how uh, in Russ Meyer movies one of the things that is cool about them despite the fact that they are for a male gaze is that the women carry the film yeah in Up most of the movie for me didn't feel like they were it felt like a bunch of men sort of like playing with these women these last ten minutes they do take control yeah they do the last ten minutes are just these two women entirely nude, running around in the forest, 
Margot getting progressively more and more covered in blood, and them trying to kill each other. And, and I was like, also, I want an entire four hours of this movie. And also having a running conversation about yes. Hitler's death. It's uh, fucking nuts. It's, it's a goddamn tremendous. fever dream. It is absolutely tremendous. The it is chase, wonderful. The chase ends with Margot grabbing Alice by her breasts, and they decide to become lovers. Oh, Alice, uh, one one last line before we get to that. Uh, another line that made me laugh so hard I almost fell off my couch is, I rubbed out my own father to save my marriage! <laughs> <laughs> I, again, just, I almost died laughing at that line. It was so good. And uh, it can't be stated enough how frenzied Alice's performance is. Oh my God. And how deadpan Margot is with all of her refutations. Absolutely. The chase ends with Margot grabbing Alice by the breasts, and they decide to become lovers. Yeah. Alice leads Margot to a metal bed frame that is in the woods for some reason. Extremely uncomfortable. Where she takes a gigantic vi- dildo out of a violin case. She mentions that it is it was given to her by her uh, her trucker friend, yep. who she says has a, I think she says, predilection for marital aids. Yes. Yeah. But Alice is then shot by Paul. Yes. Who's upset that she killed Adolf Hitler because right. Paul himself is a Nazi. Yes, so yeah, there are no they Margot is the only hero in this movie. The other yeah. characters are all and it is it, this is the one thing where I'll give Russ Meyer a little bit of credit for this film where this is a bit of a this is a bit of a trope subversion because Margot is the brunette. Like that mm. is that is stereotypically in these sort of like murder mystery movies the dangerous woman is the brunette and the blonde is the good girl and throughout most of the movie he does play on that trope very heavily with yeah. marco being the sex pot and alice being the good old alice she's sweet little alice sweet little alice and then in the end alice is this horrifying monster paul is also this horrifying monster yeah. the only good person is the sex pot yeah Paul is about to blow Alice's brains out. Then he turns the gun on Margot and is about mm-hmm. to shoot shoot her. Mm-hmm. But Margot, moment of ingenuity, mm-hmm. call her MacGyvgo. What? Because <laughs> she takes the strap on and slaps Paul's wrist with the dildo. Yes. Both he and and both he, both Paul and Alice are appalled that Margot would hurt him. <laughs> yes. Alice, even though she was just shot by her husband, is like, how dare you? Right. As we've as we've mentioned, she's psychotically obsessed with Paul. And this is functionally the end of the film where she apprehends them. We get Margot three- is pointing the dildo at both of them like it's a gun, and both of them are treating it like it's like, oh my god, don't 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 fuck with her. She's got a dick. <laughs> so this is functionally the end of the film. We get a couple epilogues. We see three. Margot. We see Margot in a. Uh, very fetishy policewoman's outfit, yep. getting a commendation by her chief, mm-hmm. and then they hook up. Yes. The Greek chorus says goodbye to us as she is ravished by an unseen man, mm-hmm. and we get, and just for good measure, one last montage and character recap. The fastest one, and this time she's doing it while she's playing orgasm sounds. Yes. So it is both fast, high pitch, and extremely breathy. So if you couldn't understand her before, watch out. And then we get a baffling seconds-long scene where it seems like Hitler is alive and well in a Bavarian sanatorium. Yeah, I, is that what that was supposed to imply? Basically, I don't know. we see a mailbox sitting on top of a sign, and then the mailbox falls off the sign, and somebody yells something, I think in German, and then that's it. Yeah. But that's that's up. Billy, do you have anything else to say? I think if you cut uh, this note uh, at the end here, if 
if you cut down this movie to about 30 minutes, like, uh, the, the first, the first bit, the last bit, and then like 10 minutes worth of footage from the middle to like cover those events, you'd have a short film that I would absolutely fucking love. Uh, it is, it is that middle hour that really just kills the movie sure, for me. Sure. And it's mostly, and it is, uh, Admittedly, mostly the rapey bits. Yeah, and no, how, if that's the one big thing that I would change. And how just toxically misogynistic and racist the whole thing is. Again, uh, I don't even like really... I think that there's there's supposed to be some sort of vindictive justice to watching Hitler get raped. Or, yeah, absolutely. But yep. he doesn't even get raped. He, he This is all something he set up. This is for his enjoyment. So that, that bit doesn't work. It's wild and crazy, but and it doesn't the, work for me in the way that the filmmakers wanted it to. I think this is a 70s thing where the idea of Hitler being into homosexual sex or man-on-man sex, however you want to refer to it, right. it's supposed is to seen be, as degrading and yeah. humiliating. Yeah, it's that's something I can't uh, I can't really buy into I personally. I understand. As we always say on the show, yeah, whatever offends you, you're allowed to be offended by it, right? And that's a, this is I think this is the first time I've uh, had to apply that to myself. Well, you were very upset with Vincent Gallo in Freeway Two Confessions. Of that is Baby. true. I was very upset with him. Am very upset with him in general. But uh, yeah, those last ten minutes again. If there was just like a a movie where these two women, one of them was a villain, one of them was a hero, and they're just constantly fighting each other and trying to kill each other, but they're just nude the entire time. Incredible. Five yeah, stars. Absolutely. Five stars. Uh, I don't have anything else I'd like to say. Next week, we will wrap up No Not That One Month with mm-hmm. a bonus episode. We're going to extend the month uh, yes. so we can bring you Matilda, a movie that I have not yet watched, <laughs> but we've seen screenshots of it. And it belongs on this show. Woof. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Good night.